Welcome to Culture Bites, where we take culture theory and turn it into everyday insights. We're powered by Human Synergistics, and our mission is to change the world one organization at a time. We can only do that together with our amazing community, so thank you for listening. Welcome to Culture Bites. My name's Dominic Gawley. I'm a consultant with Human Synergistics Australia, and I'm joined on the podcast by our head of consulting, Corinne Cantor. Hey, Corinne. Hi, Dominic. How are you? Yeah, doing well. And I've got another question from a listener. I love questions. Yeah, beautiful. That's why we have you on. <laughs> so Darren's written in to us, and he's saying he's a big fan of the podcast. Thank you. And he was looking for a podcast on the arguments for and against decentralizing the responsibility for culture from HR or OD to well-trained line managers. And it was building on a concept around Culture Coach that I think I posted about on LinkedIn um, a little while ago. And so it's really about, I guess, you know, who owns culture, where should Mm. it sit? It's Mm. that kind of discussion. So what are the pros and cons of centralized or decentralized ownership of it? What do you Mm. think? I was going to throw it back on you. Turn the tables, you (laughs) reckon? Turn the tables. What Mm. do you think about that, Dom? Well, you know, the thing about culture for me is ultimately it has to be owned by the people. Yeah. You know, it has to be owned by people in the organization. And I say the same thing when we do consulting work with organizations. Consultants are awesome. I am one, I'd say that. But ultimately, I don't live in the department, in the business unit, in the whatever. And so part of our job, as I see it, is to give it over to people so they take ownership, yeah. right? And it's their culture, it's their results. They need to run with it. So yeah. that's kind of where I'm at. Now, that's not to say that you don't need a steward mm. and you don't need expertise and you don't need all that stuff and someone to kind of drive it, I guess, beat the drum kind of thing, the drum beat, but you've got to hand over that ownership too. Do you know what I mean? I do, and I couldn't agree more. I think everybody's fingerprints is on the culture and mm. everybody owns it. It's something that needs to be powered by the people in order for it to be high-performing constructive, you know. What we know from every organisation that's ever created culture change is that everyone's been involved. I think it's never going to be an either or. Mm. My experience is that there are different roles to be played yes. in the organisation. So even if you have a kind of, uh, first of all, I would say that culture can't be delegated to a HR function. It needs to be owned by the CEO and the senior leadership team. What gets delegated is the project yes. management, the ideas, the initiatives, and you know, the stewardship of actually what are we going to do. Yes. But even if that is owned by HR and people and culture teams, people and culture teams, in my experience, play a really important role. They're what I would call kind of activist coaches in terms yes. of culture. So they're there, their job where I've seen it work really well is they've they know the organization context really well and so they're able to look at what is going to be the approach that best fits the organization and mm. the context and the people in that organization. Mm. So they give a lot of thought leadership around how should we do this? You know, what would be best for us? And so but it's thought leadership consulting to the business. Mm. And then the business the leaders in terms of what Darren calls decentralized is that each leader forms and plays a role in forming their own team's culture. And so the leader's role is really to role model the culture, that the desired culture, 
and to set the example that reinforces the culture that we're aiming for, that we're trying to build. And then you've got individual contributors, everybody else, whose job it is to really look at how they behave and how they show up and how that is how that contributes positively or constructively and how that might contribute negatively and take responsibility for changing that. So I think that if you have this centrist approach where it gets driven out of a centre, from a culture point of view, because it's owned by everyone, it has to. Culture's always there. I don't think it can be owned by just one group. And I think, you know, more to that point and something we often stress in how we approach culture programs is how you do the culture program has to reflect the culture you want. Exactly. So if it's driven out of headquarters or a central function or something like that, we'll tell you how to do the culture. Yeah. You know, well, what message are people hearing? Yeah. Right. About how they're expected to behave. You know, do what you're told. Yeah. Right. That's what I'm hearing. But that probably isn't the culture we actually want. And the other thing, I think that's right. I think that, A, you want to embody the culture that you want. The other thing that I think is important is that I think culture has been paired most often with engagement. Uh, I talk about this in another poem. uh, And they're almost used interchangeably. To my way of thinking, it's not the right pairing. No. Okay, so engagement is an outcome of culture. Culture is more about adapting. And so the reason it's important for business leaders to take a role and ownership in cultural change is that culture is actually about execution. Yes. And people get culture more when it relates to what they show up to do every day. Yes. And that's going to be mediated by the leader, you know, more so than the HR function. So I think the people in culture, HR, centre of excellence, culture and transformation, OD team, their role is to support the leaders to create the cultural shift Mm. with tools, thought leadership, expertise, skill support, coaching. Mm. But a leader has to own that creating that change, that cultural shift in their business unit and the CEO and their leaders across the organisation. That's the only way it works. And so I think that's a great point. And it's what you said at the start, which was everyone's involved, but there's different roles. Part of the risk or whatever you want to call it of decentralizing ownership of culture is that no one owns culture. (laughs) Do you know what I mean? It's a way of me actually delegating away any responsibility for culture. So everyone owns it, but no one's actually. No one truly owns it. Right? And that's, that's the risk of, you know, decentralizing. No. Leaders still need to own it. Yeah. Right. And OD and HR still need to own it as well. Right. But it's about involving people and they can own it as well. But, you know, at different roles, like you say. So that that's the risk. Yeah. Right. It's not about, well, everyone does culture, therefore I don't have to do anything. Right? Yeah. It's over to you guys. You need to fix it. And the same goes for people on the front line. Yeah. Because we see that the other way around, right? When are management going to fix this? Yeah. And it's like, well, hold on. What can you do That's right. in your role, in your team, in your yeah. department, whatever? What can you do about it? And the other argument on, so I guess a con for decentralizing is if everybody's just allowed to do their own thing. Mm. So each business unit can do whatever it wants in mm. culture. So really what 
you're trying to do is strike a balance between a culture strategy and that defines who we are, our values, how we want to show up and where we put our energy, time and effort. That needs to be defined at a high level. So yes. the vision is held quite tightly yes. and that there's a common alignment that threads through to each of the decentralized business units. So there's some flexibility because each business unit's different. There's some, you know, there's a way of localizing it. So for example, with the Circumplex, the organization might decide we really need to build our achievement orientation yep. and we need to build our, you know, our coaching capability. Oh. So that decision might get made at the top level at the senior leadership team based on a recommendation from the PNC team, Yep. based on the data that everybody else has completed via a culture survey. Yep. So you know, that's been a decision that's been collaborated, determined. So if that's the decision, then how each of the business units translate what that means in terms of how we do achievement, that might be quite unique to each business unit. But what's aligned is that it's achievement. The general direction. Correct. Yeah. yeah. So I think you need to have a balance between, I don't think it's an either-or argument. I think that you need to have a coordination. Oh. So the, the center's job is to coordinate and integrate. Oh. And then the decentralized argument is that really you can't get a system change oh. unless all the different business units are actually on the same page. Oh. And it, it, it reminds me of us I was, I was in a culture coach the other day. And oh, yeah. You've had a culture month. I I have. I've been doing a bunch of them, which is awesome. And Craig, who was, was accredited with us and internal to the company, talked about their role. And he said, you know, part of it's about the survey today, right? We're rolling out these results. We've got to debrief them, all that kind of stuff. True. But it's also about in a year's time or in six months' time or whatever. You know, it's the people sitting in the room when the decision is made, right? That if you've got the line managers who understand culture, and get it and own it. Well, when they're in the room and the decision's being made about how are we going to do you know, this project or this thing, whatever it is, that they're there and can ask the question, what does that mean for the culture? Yeah. Right? What message do we send? And if it's all centralized, I don't think you get that understanding. You know? And so it's kind of a future proofing, if you like, because the survey is amazing, but to some extent, it's the result of the actions we've taken up to that date has given us the culture that we have. Yeah. Right. And we want to make changes and, and tweak those and fix them. Yeah. Right. But we also want to make sure the new decisions we're making towards, you know, in the future are also aligned with where we want to go. And that's why I think it's so important to involve people. Yeah. And so that's why I think it's a, it's exactly right. It's a collaborative effort. And we know that transformation of culture or cultural shifts don't occur unless the center and, and, you know, the HR and the business leaders, the, you know, that there's a collaboration between the levels, not an either or. Totally. It takes both and really, but it's, you've got to think about it around the different roles that are played by those people. And I think, you know, as you said, I think if you're going to say ownership, everybody owns it. And the CEO in particular 
Yes. You know, if there's going to be someone who's accountable for it, it's going to be the CEO. Yes. And that's it, I think. And the board. And the board. Yes. Yeah, which that's a whole episode on its own. We keep coming up with great episodes. <laughs> I, I love it. We, we come up more, with more, more as we go. Yeah. It's but, a good question, though, Darren. Thank you, because I think that it's very important for any organisation looking at working on culture to understand that there are different roles that have to be played by different groups in the organisation. And I think too often people in culture teams are left with the accountability, responsibility, you guys have got it. Over to you. Over See to you. See you later. And it's not possible. It's an impossible brief to be delivered mm. by one function. Mm. And it's the same thing with like safety functions, right? Well, safety has to be owned by Everyone, people doing the job, but they're there to provide expertise and guidance and, you know, all yeah. that kind of stuff. Same thing. Absolutely. Beautiful. I, Darren, I hope that answers your question for you. It's a good question. It, it's a great question, you know, and, you know, ultimately everyone owns it, but some have particular roles. Yeah. And I think to particular roles and but one of the things that we know, like culture coach, is really the more people you get involved, the more you train them, you help them understand culture, they can understand what their role is. Oh. They can understand what their role is. They know how to perform it. Oh. They know how to how to work with it. So we're big fans of doing a lot of awareness, a lot of education, a lot of skill building around how to build a constructive culture. Totally. Because, I mean, it's, we're hitting on one of my passions, actually, right? Because I don't come from a HR background or yeah. uh, even a psychology background. I've, I've been back since and done some study in psychology, but that wasn't my background. Yeah. You know, I was just in business and stuff. And But it was the re- revelation for me that, hold on, there is something here. Yeah. You know, what is this culture stuff about? Because it makes a real difference, you know? And, and my old job is to travel around and see these different offices and, wow, performance is so different. Why? I came to realize it was all about culture and leadership. Yeah. And so for me, it's a passion about how do we get that, the kind of insight I guess I had. Mm. I want to share that with other people mm. who aren't necessarily HR people or mm. psychologists or whatever, their line managers, because I think it's so powerful. And I think the downside of it being held too tightly in the PNC or the HR is that line managers don't see it. As their thing. As thing is, it's almost they comply with what they're told to do, but they don't see mm. that they have a role, that they're setting the the culture. Mm. You know, they see it as a, almost like a checklist yes. item. So the challenge for HR, OD, people and culture teams is to help business leaders see how it's relevant. You know, that is part of their role, see how it's relevant and then to support, coach, give them the tools to be able to understand how to use levers, cultural levers, as a way of changing or fine-tuning their their everyday business operations. Helping their people to be their best. Absolutely. Good note to finish on. Love it. (laughs) Thanks, Corinne. I hope that helps, Darren. Let us know how you get on. Thanks for listening to this episode of Culture Bites. If you enjoy the show, remember to subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, or wherever you get your podcasts. Also, leave us a review. It helps other people to find the show. If you have a question you'd like us to answer, 
Email podcast at human-synergistics.com.au. We'd love to answer it. This podcast is copyright by Human Synergistics Australia, all rights reserved. To learn more about what we do, visit human-synergistics.com.au. Thank you.